Get ready, it's time for Motorsports Madness. Powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman. As if they needed to give me permission to talk, because I usually just do that anyways. But hey, good evening, race fans. Welcome to another Monday night of Motorsports Conversation. This is Motorsports Madness. I'm the aforementioned Jacob Seelman, and we're going to talk some racing for about Oh, close to two hours here on this here little program, just like we normally do. I am joined at the round table by Tom Baker and Chris Murdoch, as well as Cisco Scaramuza via the Race Chaser Skype line. And Dr. Dirt Steve Ovens going to join us later on in the show as well. Well, we had a race in weekend, and there was a Daytona race, or rather two Daytona races. And that's going to cover a lot of our first hour, Tom, because guess what? We wrecked a bunch of cars. Yeah, I was going to ask what, <laughs> where, where the race was Saturday, because mostly <laughs> what I just saw was a demolition derby. And it was pretty much a just a wreck fest. I, I, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, that... <coughs> Ricky Senhouse. Well, I mean... I see, I don't... I, I'm not going to jump on the... Ricky Stenhouse bandwagon because... Oh, you're not? Everybody else is. Ricky wasn't the only one that wrecked cars. And Ricky also, I don't think Ricky gets blamed fairly for the first crash with Brad Kozlowski because Brad himself said that he puts the blame squarely on William Byron, who threw what Brad called a bad block. Not really too sure what that is exactly. What constitutes a bad block. Yeah, that's I'm. That still was the question to, Tom was asking. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out, Chris. I I, I don't know, uh, but all I know is that it was a crazy night, and at the end of it, uh-huh. we had a mullet in victory lane. Uh, otherwise known as a first-time winner, which in the year of the big three is saying quite a lot, Cisco. I know we've got a lot to get to in this show, not the least of which is Byron Michigan's Eric Jones, who, shockingly among the young guys, was the first one of them, besides Ryan Blaney, to join the Cup Series winner's column. And it also disproves everything we said, what was it, two weeks ago, where we said Eric Jones wasn't going to win this season, (laughs) and... Chase was going to or something along those lines. I'm not sure who said that. It wasn't me. Well, I'm the one that said, I was the first one to say Eric would win. And then you responded by saying that he won't because any race he would win, Kyle Busch will win instead. And they took Kyle Busch out. Which was out by the fact Busch got wrecked. (laughs) By Ricky Stenhouse. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, to be honest, if any of you in your fantasy or whatever had that top 10 that we had at the end, then all, all, all all the praise be to you for that one because i that was that was a thing that happened actually the i don't pro- know if it was a race it was a thing the, the proper terminology is put your hands down cuz you're lying we're going to step aside when <laughs> yes, we come yeah. back we'll dig into all that talk about eric jones talk about yellow lines talk about blocking all that fun stuff you're listening to motorsports madness and we get started right after this on spreaker and the performance motorsports network You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. 
Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your streetcar on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. I'm Kaz Grawl, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Well, that's perfect, because I want to talk about him during this show, too. So that's a, that's a brilliant segue into... Daytona and chaos, and we're going to talk about Kaz Grala coming up here on this program right now. Kaz avoided the chaos. Yes, he did avoid the chaos. He, he came through a whole slew yeah. of stuff. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Cisco Scaramuza with you right now on Motorsports Madness, which you can hear live on Spreaker and on the Performance Motorsports Network. And before we talk about Xfinity, I want to talk about Eric Jones, Tom, because This is a 22-year-old kid from Byron, Michigan, who 2,046 days ago, yes, I counted, won the Snowball Derby at Five Flags Speedway in 2012. 
he was at the pinnacle of the world that night because he beat Kyle Busch and basically opened the racing world's eyes to who the heck is this kid? Six years later, he's back on the top step in, I would argue, one of the biggest ways of his life, winning his first cup race at the World Center of Racing. And how much Eric Jones has changed from 2012 to where he sits right now. He has matured so, so many ways as a racer, and I love this story. I mean, he lost his dad a couple years ago. He's come through all that. It's just a great moment, isn't it? Well, it is a great moment. Um, I'd also, uh, you, while you were doing that, you should have looked to see if he was the first driver with a mullet to ever win a NASCAR Cup race. <laughs> no. Because um, I think, uh, I, I don't... Bla when, Blaney w when Blaney won at Pocono, he had the mullet. He had the mullet, so he's the second driver. Okay. So I wouldn't even. Uh, did, did you see how many people had mullets back in whatever whatever years it was? The I don't set. Know how many the eighties. I remember we were still dealing with a lot of the old guard. Richard Petty isn't going to grow a mullet. No. <laughs> but I not, feel like there was know, probably Kelly somebody Arbor, else that mullets. was. Anyway, continue. Well, I was just going to make the point that look. I mean, the, the irony of this was that Eric's mom was not at the race. I know he might ban her from coming. Yeah. Um, you know, so after the whole thing with losing his dad and then his mom not being there and him finally getting a win, yeah. I, I think I don't think there was anybody more surprised <laughs> to be <laughs> that he was standing at victory lane Saturday than Eric. Yeah, I mean, it, exactly. and it was great. It was such a genuine emotional reaction. And, you know, it's those types of endings that you like to see. And then, <laughs> heaven knows that race needed an ending like that because yeah. it just wasn't. I mean, look, it, again, it's restrictor plate. And this is what we do, but it just seems like that one kind of got out of control even more uh -huh. so than normal. Um, but good to see Eric get the victory. And I, I don't think it'll be his last. No, I, I don't think it'll be his last at all. Um, let, let's remind ourselves that we're going to Kentucky this weekend, a place where yeah. Eric has had prior success yep. in the Xfinity Series. You've got Texas in the playoffs, which that's another thing. Eric Jones is in the playoffs now. Yeah. That's a big yeah. deal. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's only won at Texas like four or five times in an Xfinity only. car. He's only. been He's been good there. And we know that he'll uh, – we know he, that I believe he'll he'll do well in the playoffs. I because agree. If you look at the first few tracks. If even, he can get through round one, well, see, I don't. I think, think he'll be dangerous. Well, I mean, I think round one actually could be pretty good to him. To uh, be honest, for, in, if, in what universe we're going to Vegas, Richmond, and the Roval? Yeah, but I think well, the Roval is is the Roval an outlier. Be, I mean, that's. I, the Roval was, could blow up everybody's playoff bracket and well, yeah, I mean, turn it could, into dust. In theory, anybody could win the Roval, but but I mean, not I, just no, about I winning. Think, you have a bad day, you're out. I think he'll, I think he'll be all right at those tracks. I, I mean, they may not be tracks he'll win on, but I think he'll do well enough to advance. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Now, the the you mentioned it was emotional for him when he crossed yeah. the line. That primal scream oh over gosh. the radio. I would, I, I literally, I I had put my head down for half a second after he crossed the line just I was working on writing a race report all of a sudden they played his radio community my head shot up going what in the Sam heck was that <laughs> well I was actually by that time I, I left Jennerstown view and was traveling back to my hotel and so I actually heard that on the car radio and yeah. it was just like what a great but the I love you know I, what I love Chris is the, the you get the authenticity of that sort of thing here. I mean, in 2011, you had Trevor Bain's reaction, which was, 
Are you kidding me right now? He didn't even know what, what victory lane yeah. was. Yeah. Are you kidding me right now? And then you have Eric going, ah, like you know, it's that 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 whole how, how like, many how many H's is that on this? Yeah, I mean, like that whole sort of span um, in between those two things. I th- um, I think it was fitting because you guys say even though his mother wasn't there, she posted something on Instagram, and it was two photos of Eric, one with him his mom and his dad in Victory Lane a long time ago in Daytona Victory Lane. And then they posted the Victory Lane photo of him on Saturday. And she says, does Victory Lane look the same, Eric? How great you found your way back. So happy and proud and sad I wasn't there this time, but see you at the next one. Nice. I think that's very fitting and very very emotional. Yeah, very nice. And I really want to transition a little bit, Jacob, into Joe Gibbs Racing as a whole because – I'm not shocked that Eric Jones got to win this season. No. Not, not, uh, and, and being that it was at Daytona was a little bit more well, cool to see him get it. Yeah, I'm not shocked at that, though, either. We <coughs> look at the Toyota plate program the last few years. And They've that's, been good. And that's what I'm getting to as uh, Toyota and, and specifically Joe Gibbs Racing. You look at some of the drivers. Now, maybe Denny Hamlin hasn't been as consistent as Denny Hamlin would like, but you look at Daniel Suarez. He's had some really, really good He's runs this year. Joe, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see Daniel Suarez get a win well, before the end of the season. Well, another one that could win in Kentucky. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. Yep. Now, I'm going to circle back to the uh, other side of this debate because on the flip side of the Eric Jones wins everybody's happy coin, there's also the – Ricky Stenhouse is involved in two wrecks, and most drivers that I saw on social media, save for Brad Keselowski, somehow are mad at Ricky Stenhouse. And there were a few comments over the scanner during the race, Cisco, of people going, why hasn't Stenhouse been parked yet? Or words to that effect from the other drivers. Yeah, I I mean, it was it's, bad. You could hear it. You could hear it in his voice when they interviewed him after the second stage win, because at that point there was and Junior picked up on it very well. It was the fact that there was a somber note to his voice. And you could tell that even he was sitting there going, oh, my gosh, I just want I just want to be out of here. I just want this yeah. race to be over. I don't want to be here anymore <laughs> because uh, it's. It was a rough night to say to say the least, and I I feel I feel bad for him because I'm sure his phone after that race and this morning was not fun. No, I imagine it wasn't. That's about the point where you want to look at NASCAR <laughs> chasm and go. Any fake texts from Ricky yeah. Stenhouse? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, I guess the question that you know situations like that bring up is the fact should. Was NASCAR right not doing anything? Like, I mean, did, it, was there a reason it, they needed it, to step it, it, in? No, it's no. it's just Daytona. No, and because again, I don't. I mean, I watched the replays. I don't believe you you put the first one on Ricky Stenhouse, and I think Brad Keselowski would have been the first to say it if he thought that was the case. He's mad at William Byron now. Again, I come back to I don't understand quite what a bad block is, but. Um, I mean, a block is a block. The idea of a block is to block the other guy from going by you. So I guess Brad is saying that because he had the lift really quick, you know, Ricky ran into the back of him because he specifically said Ricky didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't his fault. Um, The second one with Bush, I think, you know, that kind of, you know, you got to blame Ricky for that. Certainly the deal with Larson wasn't him. He 
Larson Larson blew a tire. Yeah, blew a tire, and yeah. Ricky was there, and then Ricky finished himself off later. But mm-hmm. um, he well, he blew a tire, yeah, and that finished. It was him just off. a long. Yeah, I, didn't, I didn't even get that part of it because he went down on Almirola, and I have no idea why. It just was so random. Yeah, it was a long night for him, and and you know he needed a police escort out of there. Which, yeah. you know, I don't know how much of that was necessity and how much of it was just precaution, but it's, precaution. It, it's sort of sad for him. I, yeah. You know, like you said, I felt like because he ran up front a lot. I he mean, did. He, he, you know, he had the fastest car, led the most laps. Right. He and Michael McDowell were both. But he's always good at super speedways. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm well, saying. Oh, by, uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, there's that point, too. That 17 car has not looked like anything. It's been awful this year. And yet, magically, even at Talladega, it wasn't very good. And yet, magically, we come back to Daytona, poof. It's good again. You really like your. Didn't we have a race at Daytona where Jamie Mack kind of was in the same situation where he was cleaning out a couple people and everyone jumped on the? Uh Oh, it's Jamie Mack. He's too aggressive at a plate track bandwagon. I do. I I do remember that. Yes. Well, he does tend to be too aggressive at plate tracks, but um, and Ricky does. Ricky does too. I think. I and I think that's basically some of this. I think is left over from other races, like the spring race when he in the spring week, really. Um, but yeah, it was just unfortunate, but, but it was definitely a tough night for him and it could have been a great night for Trevor Bain, but Trevor got taken out one of the later accidents while he was up running in the top five and really had a shot to win. So I, you know, that, that whole Ford, uh, Roush Fenway slash front row motorsports camp performed very well on the, on the plate track, except for David Reagan, who just, you know, from the start, I don't know if he got one of the earlier wrecks and I missed it or something happened, but he was, he was, he got behind early, just never got caught up. I'm trying to find it and I'll look for it during the break here, but William Byron actually put out a statement this morning defending his uh, perceived yeah, bad I, block. I just, and I don't know. I'm going to hunt for that and we'll talk about it on the other side of this. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. 
Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'll come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, I'm Chase Cabry, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now, back to the show. We are back here on Spreaker and PMN. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Cisco Scaramuza with you around the round table. And I want to shift gears for a few because, well, it's my show and I can and talk about Xfinity, because quite frankly, other than Eric Jones, I feel like there were a lot more stories in the Xfinity race than there were in the Cup race. However, I will make the point that William Byron's defense of uh, the whole Brad Keselowski, Ricky Stenhouse, big, 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 big wreck was that William felt like he did not block any more than anybody else normally does at Daytona, and that Brad, quote, just got hit from behind, end quote, which not a... Uh, inaccurate statement. Brad's argument was just that Byron's block forced him to get all the way out of the throttle and then he got run over. But, you know, there's one side, another side, and the truth, which is usually somewhere in the middle. That's the way I look at that. Also, it's Daytona. Anyway, Xfinity, shall we, kids? And this is the part where everybody's going to get a little bent out of shape because everybody sees this a little bit differently, I think, and that's what's going to make this fun. So, my two cents... Much as I wanted him to be the story, Justin Haley, A, shot himself in the foot and right out of an Xfinity win by going below the yellow line when he didn't have to on the last lap, and B, Elliot Sadler came within two inches of winning again and, well, got cursed again. By the way, Elliot Sadler now has four runner-up finishes at Daytona in the Xfinity Series, tying him with Michael Waltrip for the Perennial Bridesmaid Award. I mean, most runner-ups without a win at Daytona. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Yeah. There was that. I I don't have sympathy for Elliot. I mean, 
I, I do, and I oh, don't. I, I, th- I, I thought you were going to say you didn't have sympathy for Justin, and I was going to agree with you. Well, but I don't have sympathy for Justin either. I thank mean, you. If you look Those at the replay, if you if you look at the replay in slow motion, he goes low to go under Sadler and Larson, uh-huh. and then he turns the wheel left again. Uh-huh. So he, thank you. I mean, there was there was no reason for that, and if the spotter was halfway doing his job, he would have told him that there was no reason for that. So. But but but. But he, he, no, no, he, he wasn't under the line in Dale Jr. It, 2004. Ju- and, it's uh, just the Okay, hey, Cisco, Cisco, I'm going to make the point. Justin Haley does not spell Dale Earnhardt Jr. There you and go. also, you're using an example before NASCAR clarified that rule back correct. in, what was it, 2010? Steve? Yes. I believe that's correct. Steve would know. That's correct. And I also want to say, guys, that um, in this whole incident, I think that even though Haley got the win taken away from him, Jacob, I have been hearing a lot of chatter about how how Justin Haley is going to be the next superstar of NASCAR. Can can we pump the brakes on that, please? Yeah, yeah. Whoa, 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 He's won one truck race. And finished 18th at Daytona. From, uh, just pump the brakes. He's still really young. Uh, he's <laughs> still yeah. in the truck series. Wow. That's, and, I, and, I, and that's my point. That's my point. I, 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 liter- I, I literally had to stop and, like, take my headset off for a minute and clarify that my ears actually heard what you said right because I was like, what? There, there's no way anybody's I'm saying that. Here, I'm not, I didn't see anything on social media that said he was going to be the next superstar. I, I I saw a lot of people who were admiring what he did in the movie made, and I uh, I made the statement that I think he's got all the talent to be a star, but that's different than saying the next superstar. Now hold on, no, I want to hear ab- Steve. Absolutely speak. right, and and I I saw a few uh, I've saw a few people that have that have said things like that, and and I thought to myself. They, they're on a great run, don't get me wrong, and I'm not taking anything away from what he's done in the truck and now the Xfinity car, but I just, I'm like, boy, we got to pump the brakes a little bit here, <laughs> boys, because, you know, you don't want to put that kind of expectation on somebody. No, especially that Absolutely. young. I mean, he's still, in his, he's still in the truck series. He's got one win. He's got that pressure as it is. You don't need to see him do well at Daytona and be like, oh, he's going to be, oh, he's going to win championships. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. You don't need to be putting that on this kid who has a whole lot more to worry about than the pressure of all the uh-huh. fans right now. Here's here's my deal with this, okay? Look, first of all, as far as the rule, the rule's a rule, and by the rule, he, he doesn't get to win the race because he put two tires below the yellow line. But here's my problem with this. This is this to me is symptomatic of the reason why NASCAR's having trouble keeping fans and, and getting new fans because what NASCAR concerns itself with these days are things that the fans don't really care about. Um, you know, really, what Justin Haley was guilt Ju- Justin Haley was guilty of on Friday night was he was guilty of crossing a line. I mean, he literally was guilty of he he it, he, he used you know a few inches extra of racetrack. It's just a line. The line the yellow line at most of the racetracks doesn't mean squat. You can go as far below it as you want. You can come all the way back up and practically crash your teammate like Chris Bell did, and you get to win a race. Um, the, Justin Haley, the, 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 thing, the thing that I saw on social media, a lot of fans bringing up a few things like this. First of all, if Justin Haley had crashed the two cars next to him and won the race, he gets to keep the win. Uh-huh. If Justin Haley 
had if Justin Haley's car were cheated up 15 ways to Sunday, he would get to keep the win. So you can cheat and win. You can crash your opponent and win. And NASCAR says that's okay. The other thing that bothers me about this is, you know, we've gotten to the point now where if if we have, you know, tons of cameras in the pits, if a right, if a right front tire changer takes a tire off, sets it next to him, and that tire is two inches over outside of the pit box for two seconds and the camera catches it, the driver has to come in and, and, and serve a penalty for that because NASCAR considers that something outside the box or uncontrolled tire or whatever. What what's happened here is we've we've got to we've gotten to the point where once again this this rule is another good example of NASCAR micromanaging every inch and every second of what goes on to the point where you've sucked the human element out of it because Justin Haley did not choose to go down below the yellow line. It wasn't like he said, I'll go below the yellow line and make um, the pass. No. Were you not paying no. attention to his Justin hands Justin Haley left. did not choose. He was not trying to go. He was driving at 200 miles an hour going forward, and I think he was just trying to get away from the two cars. I don't believe he purposely drove below the yellow line thinking it was going to help him. Also, I saw a freeze frame on Twitter, and I was trying to find it here during this segment, and I should have looked before the show and brought it up. His nose was actually out front before he dipped below the yellow line. And NASCAR says you cannot use the yellow line to advance your position. So technically, by NASCAR's own rule, he didn't do that. But he did end up going below the yellow line, so they have to DQ him. But this is my whole thing with this is I think NASCAR is it's too micromanaged. We've gotten to the point where we're using machines to make try to make humans way too perfect. Humans don't think in tenths of a second or fractions of an inch. This was a case of a kid making a mistake. He didn't do anything that that really was, he didn't, it, it, it didn't injure anybody. He didn't cause a crash. He didn't go to the apron. He didn't, he didn't do anything wrong. He doesn't get to keep the win, but if his car was cheated or if he'd have driven dirty, he, he'd have put, I mean, you're gosh. Just, you're just into conspiracy theories. Well, it's point. not a conspiracy theory. It's about the choices NASCAR makes. In order it's to create book. the race. If they don't enforce it on somebody, Tom, the, the they set a precedent. That rule doesn't the bottom need to line, be a rule. The bottom line, it's a rule. The rule needs to be changed. It doesn't need he to be can, a rule. That yellow line rule is stupid, and nobody has yet been able to explain to me why it exists. They don't enforce it I can tell you why it exists, track. Tom. He can thank every driver that's passed or wrecked in the grass at Daytona Jeff for Gordon, that rule. What was it? Good Lord, uh, I'm glad we didn't have that rule with, for Dale Earnhardt at Charlotte because we'd have one less amazing moment in NASCAR that every fan, including me, who hated Dale, still talks about. That wasn't even what a pass. What was it? I'm Jeff Gordon in 2000, Jacob? Probably the main reason why that rule's a thing because didn't he end up on the apron, come back up into traffic and wreck or something? I mean, wait a minute. We did okay. So everybody. It's not about every track. It's played, about Daytona and Talladega where there's inside, hack Wait racing. a minute. Hang on. Everybody played inside the lines for the most part on Friday and Saturday. How many cars did we wreck? Most of them. So it doesn't matter if somebody wants to go two inches below the yellow line. Let them do it. I don't, I don't know. I, I just don't understand this whole thing about why do we enforce a yellow line at Daytona and Talladega? We don't enforce it at the rest of the because tracks. Because it's packed racing. We've had racing. just as many wrecks from cars going all the way to the bottom and then sweeping all the way back to the top of the other tracks as we okay, have in Daytona and Okay, name me one this year. 
Name me one. I don't know if we've had one this year. Exactly. But I know the we point. had 15 runs in Daytona like three on different Saturday points, night. and none of them connect up together. Yes, Tom, they do. We have to have the yellow line rule because we can't have a rule that says Ricky Stenhouse Jr. can't race in the cup race. Well, I mean, Ricky didn't go below the, uh, the yellow line a single time as far right, as I know. And everybody's point, saying he caused three wrecks. Whether we have the yellow line correct or not. That's I mean, my point. I mean, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. So the, the fans are sitting there, and what they saw in real time was a driver make a hell of a move and win a race, but we're going to take that away because he used up a little too much racetrack. But, man, if the, if, if, the, if the car was illegal in six different spots and had a cup motor in it, he would still win the race. All I'm saying is if NASCAR is going to obsess over a yellow line – then cheaters shouldn't win. Drivers who crash other drivers shouldn't win. They should be black flagged and put to the tail. I mean, if we're going to obsess and, and, you, and stop penalizing drivers for, for a tire hanging a slightly over the edge for two seconds or a fuel man, you know, They're stays in too engaged. too far with that rule now. If they, if, if they enforce it on somebody, they have to enforce it on everybody. All right, well. everybody cut. We're coming back with more after this because if I don't sound the boxing bell, then this is just going to get out of control really quick. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. We might be back on the air right after this on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Okay, so Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's. Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep. And my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it. Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? 
Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Noah Gregson, and you're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the madness. It got a little mad last segment. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Steve Ovin, Cisco Scaramuza with you talking racing. And black and checkered? Yeah, black and checkered. I, I, I'm not even going to okay. let that be up for debate. Oh, that is what's happening, and I am not letting Tom start because if I let Tom start, nobody else is going to have time to do this this segment. I think I already did mine. Well, I don't care. You still have to actually okay. You know, just lay it out there. Chris, you start. Oh, you're going to put me on the spot. I'm going to put you on the spot. I never do that, so. Yeah, and I've gotten used to that not happening. If I was going to go, checkered flag would have to be Jeffrey Earnhardt. <laughs> wow. He finished He finished in 11th. the 11th. 11th. I mean, you never. <laughs> the top it, 11th. It, it's, it's, it's like they said on MRN when I was listening to the race. Names you never hear about get brought up at Daytona yep. and Talladega. Yep. Three and they talk to them, and yeah. the, and the as they do the winners, they were talking about you know Matt DiBenedetto and Michael McDowell and Jeffrey Earnhardt in the same breath as they were Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. Uh-huh. and all these. And you don't see that at every track. And I think that's what I like. So I guess I would I would change it to my checkered flag being. All, all the little guys, because they got their TV time. They got talked about. They got spoken in the same breath as a as a Hendrick car or a mm-hmm. or a Joe Gibbs car. So I think that to me was a a, a good moment for them. All right. Uh, if I was gonna go black flag, I I don't want to I don't want to pull the black flag card and and go. Well, I'll I'll give a black flag. To Justin Haley for a rookie mistake, and he'll get That's over it. Harsh. He'll learn. He'll move on, and it's like Steve said: he doesn't need all that pressure of being the next star when he's still in the limelight making these mistakes. He'll get over it. He'll move on. He'll win more races, and who knows where it'll lead him from there? Cisco. My checkered flag is going completely left field because, once again, I do it over and over again. My checkered flag goes to James Hinchcliffe because I can do what I want. Because <laughs> he wanted Iowa, and it was great. And I hadn't even gotten to it. We weren't hated. even there. We though. weren't even there yet. Joel, wow. Joel's coming on in about 12 minutes, and we well, were going to get there. Joel said the same thing I'm going to, which okay. is good job, James Hinchcliffe. Preview for later. All right. Black. <laughs> Black flag. Uh, I don't want to do this. Yeah, yeah, you do. Don't even lie. Who's yes, you do. Who's the gas man on the 48? Uh, I, I don't know who it I can look up the crew roster. Well, see, now, you, you would have been, if you followed do your, your usual function, Cisco, you'd be black flagging the can. I can't black flag the gas <laughs> can itself because that wasn't the issue in the pit stop. It was the it was the fuel it was this the fueler. Was, this was probably the best we've seen at forty eight, and, <laughs> and they still found a way once to once again they at s- Daytona because apparently the forty eight just can't finish at Daytona anymore. Yeah, they oh, still found oh a way to screw Why it up. All right, Steve. 
Where, follow that, that, Steve. Steve. Follow know. that, Steve. How do I follow that? Uh, I'm not um, sure that you do. All right. Checkered flag, Matt Benedetto for finishing top yes. 10 in a car that looked like it just got done racing at Bowman Gray Stadium. Absolutely. Uh, it, great job to him. Um, and my black flag, I'm going to have to go with uh, Joey Meyer, the spotter of the two car, for his Twitter tirade after the race. Wow. And, uh, I missed yep. that. I'll have to go back and look. And and if I and if I could, and I know I can't, but if I could get a second checkered flag, well, you can it, would sure you can. To, it would definitely go to Darian Grubb for his response to Joey Miter's said Twitter rant. All right, now Steve, I'm giving you a homework assignment here. I want you to pull that up on Twitter so we can talk about it later in the show. We'll come back to that. All right, <laughs> let's see. I'm going next because I can. Yep, because you can. Next. Checkered flag, Kaz Grala. Not give him a holla. Not just because he finished fifth in the Xfinity race. He finished fifth in an ancient relic in the Xfinity <laughs> yeah, race. That had that, never been on the track before. Yes. The car that they ran at Daytona, that Fury Race Cars ran at Daytona, was a ten year old Evernham chassis that was being used by Stuart Haas Racing. It was going to be a show car. And they called Stuart Haas and said, we need a Speedway car. And SHR goes, well, we've got this. <laughs> and, and, and Darius Grawler goes, we'll take it. <laughs> and son of a gun, if they didn't get a top five out of it. Stuart I think Haas. SHR, I don't know if Speedway or car necessarily applied to that machine before it went on the track that week. It was a miracle. I think Stuart Haas is going to call them yeah. and say, hey, can we get that hey, back? Can we buy that back? We'll pay yeah. a double. Um, by the way, uh, my uh, black flag is in all reality here <laughs> going to Brad Keselowski because Why? Brad. Engage brain before opening mouth. Well, he wouldn't be Brad anymore. Well, okay. <laughs> Maybe not in all I cases, mean, but at least... <laughs> he's more fun this way. <laughs> at least in this case, because quite frankly, I felt like some of his comments came off a little bit half-cocked. I was like, Brad, really? But, but Jacob... ragging you mean, for the use of that phrase. He well, just got out of the car after being wrecked. Are you on it? Are you not surprised at this? I mean, I'd be pretty mad. <laughs> I, I, I get that. But at the end of the day, come on, dude. That's, well, that's uh, my two cents. Well, I mean... Brad being Brad did get them a new car in 2019 because he was <laughs> yeah. the one that did start yeah. the Ford conversation. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly right. Um, hey, by the way, to circle back to something that was said earlier in this segment, the fueler is Brandon Harder on the 48, Cisco. Oh, so that's right. Brandon, I'm sorry, you, but you I have to give you, you one. You could have protected just, uh, him and then saved him. Jacob but you just threw ratted him, under the him bus. out. I just ratted him out. There's the okay. Bus, meet him. I'm, I'm doing two checkered flags. Okay. First one is to Justin Haley for actually trying to win a race. I mean, I, regardless of anything else, the kid actually made a move at the end of the race that showed me a lot of spirit. The kid wanted to win the race. That's all he was guilty of. If he crossed the line, whatever, that's fine. It's a rule. You didn't win the race. But 
uh, and also because of the way he handled himself after in the interview, he definitely showed far more maturity than some of his peers have um, in similar situations. So definitely checkered flag for him. And I'm giving another checkered flag to Michael McDowell because that boy had a shot to win that. Yes, race. he did. He drove a great race. And I happen to have and I'm just going to work this Reagan real quick. A front row update. David Reagan. Uh, had to start in the back due to unimproved adjustments. He got in the first wreck. That's why he ran the rest of the race without a right front fender. And McDowell had a tie rod nut came loose, come loose and back out, which caused the car to be excessively towed out. He pitted at the first stage break and missed the big wreck because of being in the back and then got caught up in the wreck at the end. So both cars had little situations that... Uh, contributed there but um mcdowell had a chance to win that race i thought he did very well for front row motorsports um i'm giving a, i don't know who i'm giving this black flag to but i'm <laughs> giving a black flag because you look in the stands on saturday night at daytona you could have easily shot a couple of grenades in parts of the grandstand and not hit a single soul that was the worst daytona crowd i have ever seen and I think NASCAR better pay attention because that's a when you it's one thing when you get a bad crowd in the middle of the country somewhere where they basically planted tracks and tried to build a fan base. It's a whole other uh, deal when you get no crowd at your track in your backyard of your, your corporate office. Track. Yeah, um, NASCAR's got some serious work to do, and they better get on it because that that both nights the crowd was terrible. But I, I, you expect that for the Xfinity races. I don't expect it for Daytona for the cup race, and that was mm. deplorable. So I don't know who that black flag goes to, but somebody better get going at NASCAR and figure it out. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go back to Steve on that because I'm with Tom on that one. I was quite frankly stunned at how bad the crowd was Saturday night. Yeah, I... <laughs> And I heard a lot of discussion about this today and on social media as well. But somebody brought up a good point today that I think maybe would help put it in perspective. The Daytona 500 is a worldwide event where the the Coke Zero Sugar 400 is very much a regional event. It's not on the grand scale, Jacob, that the Daytona 500 is. So I'm I'm not all that concerned about the crowd on Saturday. Really? It's see I don't buy I don't buy that at all. It's Daytona. And they always they don't always sell out Daytona. But they but Tom, always they don't get say a that great you're a crowd Coke Zero Daytona. Sugar 400 champion. You're a Coke Zero 400 eh, it's, winner. It's always a better it's crowd different. than that. That that was that was that was a that was a Chicago Lander, Kansas kind of crowd, is what that was, Cisco, and 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 I, and I just I can't believe there were more people I'd be willing to bet at Chicago Land uh, the week before than there were at Daytona, and that just is not normal. I don't know about that, but one thing that kind of popped into my mind was I'm going to go to IndyCar for a second here, but for a reason. They talked about on the broadcast that they want to move that race back to Saturday night instead of on Sunday, right? Would that not be in the same time slot as the Coke Zero Sugar 400 well, it, at that point? It would, but the reason they want to do that is because they, when they used to have it on Saturday night, they were getting a better crowd. 
Um, yeah. That it, you know, my deal is if Daytona crowd is going to be that bad, let's just let's make it but, a Thursday night race or mm-hmm. put it on the Fourth of July. Um, and just they do used it that to way. run it on yeah. the Fourth of July, I mean, no matter what day it was. You, you, I guarantee you, Daytona didn't make a lot of money the other night. They might yeah. as well just put it during the week and let's try something different with it. Mm-hmm. Make it a TV event. Something like I that. I would say it's interesting to me, Jacob, that IndyCar is willing to go head-to-head to NASCAR on that one. I believe it. I'm not surprised necessarily. Exactly. Yes. Was- yeah, but still, Daytona, you know, Tom, like what you were saying, it's almost a race that you would travel to go see because it's Daytona. Well, but apparently not anymore. Apparently not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why IndyCar Indy. feels like they can do this. So. <laughs> We're getting closer and closer to the end of the first half of this show. On the other side, we'll wrap the first half, get ready for the second half, and have some more fun. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. We roll on after these words on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. 
This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. Hide the kids. It's time to get dirty with the Race Chaser Online crew. Here's your host, Jacob Seelman, with Turn 5 Live's curator of Casa de Porkchop, Stephen Evans. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness. You are listening to the show live on Spreaker and on the Performance Motorsports Network. We are very, 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 very close to the end of the first half of this program, which means we're just a couple minutes away from bringing on our open wheel aficionado. There's your word for the day, Tom, because I knew I was going to find a way to slip it in eventually. Joel Sebastianelli. However, before we get there, Chris Murdoch, we were talking about uh, in our Black Flag Checkered Flag segment, we black flagged jimmy johnson's fueler however Mm -hmm. you have a little tidbit before we uh, get to the end of our first half regarding jimmy johnson and well his kids the the rest of the The, yeah yeah not not jimmy's real kids but yes the the kids who affectionately there is is some good to come out of daytona for the hendrick camp uh that being uh they announced at daytona i believe it on friday friday yes friday that uh, the Hendrick Motorsports drivers, all four of them, will be on the cover for the new NASCAR Heat 3 video game Cisco. And I want to go to you to check my facts because I believe this is the first NASCAR game where all four drivers, or all, there are four drivers on the cover from the same team. Yes, uh, this is the first time that we've had a team sort of represented since back in uh, 2005 with NASCAR 06, because at that point you had Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon on the cover. So it's the second time Hendrick's been able to pull this off, but it is the first time that we have the entire team represented on the cover. Pretty cool. Which is which is a good thing, because it, it needs more representation for how kind of stale the last two games were, because there was a lot of hype to them, at least in the NASCAR gaming community, and then they kind of just fell flat. So this is good to have some names like Chase Elliott, like Jimmy Johnson and the Hendrick Camp behind the game pushing it. And we haven't seen any gaming-related news or any gameplay of it yet. Well, we saw a trailer that had a couple things in it, but we need to hold our speculation until we I, see more. I will more. hold my speculations until I see more, Cisco. Uh, but with having the backing of these guys, it does make me a little bit hopeful that it, it could be something good. Uh, because Hendrick doesn't just slap their name on anything. No, they no. don't. So uh, that's the the little bit of gaming news I think we got over the weekend, which is kind of good out of the chaos that was Daytona, Jacob. A tiny pinprick of light amid all the, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> About all the smoke. A tiny pinprick of light. <laughs> yeah, something like There's that. There's the yeah, phrase there, there that pays. All right. Tiny pinprick of light. That's one half done and one half to go. Let me try that again. (laughs) Quit drinking. Rewind. (laughs) Take two. (laughs) Oh, don't even go there. That's one half done and one half to go. That was easy. There you go. Not for Jacob. No, not for me. Joel's waiting in the wings. We're coming back. You're listening to more madness right after these words on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Stand by. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. 
Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. I'm an HRA Pro Stock Racer, Tanner Grant. You're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. And just like that, we're starting the second half of Motorsports Madness. Tom's looking at me funny. Tom looks confused. I was just noticing that the re-entry music for a guy who goes, what, 250, 300 miles an hour? Seems 215. Re- seems really, well, 200 miles an hour seems really kind of laggy, doesn't it? Eh, we need to get something more up-tempo, like kickstart my heart for him or something. <laughs> well, Tanner doesn't go, Tanner doesn't go as fast as the Nitro guys, but, you know. Tom Baker, fast. how dare you bag on Johnny Cash? Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Wow. You can send your hate mail to Tom Bye. at racechaseconline.com. <laughs> it's, I just said it's not good for a drag racing guy, that's all. Johnny Cash is always good no matter what. All know? right, y'all. Part two of the madness, and I believe somewhere waiting in the ring. I rewind. (laughs) Steve, break it out. Let's go. Can we just bring Can we just bring Joel Sebastianelli on? Joel, save me. Joel, can you intro this better? Can we rewind? Okay, Joel, hi. I was gonna tell Randy to move the slider. I don't know that he's done that yet. I don't know if Joel's in parentheses or not, but uh, <sighs> I, I guess. Hello, Joel uh, Sebastianelli. <laughs> Are you with us, Earth Joel? to Joel. I don't know. Huh? We, we, we might have Joel. Bro- we, we, my, we broke my, him. My we scared lack, him away. My yeah. lack of grammar may have broken him. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. he's uh, he's chatting with the spotter right now. <laughs> yeah. We'll uh, we'll get back with him. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll get back to that in a second. Yeah. Oh boy, I'm gonna learn how to breathe and figure out how to talk, and we're gonna take a break and try to fix some things. And hey, maybe on the other side of this, we'll be able to get this show ship something pointed back in the right direction and actually do this yeah ship show (laughs) something like that you're listening to the madness i'm going to uncrazy myself the show lives up to its name (laughs) yeah randy's going to take us to break and around the turn we've got more you own a performance car and you know how to drive but you want to learn real performance driving well bunky get that car off the street and onto the track summit point motorsports park the mid-atlantic's premier road racing facility located just over an hour from dc in nearby summit point west virginia is the place to go and you'll find that friday at the track is going to give you what you need for less than a monthly car payment you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of summit point's three world-class road racing circuits you'll receive classroom instruction skid pad instruction in their cars including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444, Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. 
my mom. <laughs> my mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. And we're back, and this is the part where we all laugh at ourselves and move on, and I say that uh, the la- this last segment was brought to you by Operator Errors in Production, starring Randy, because, well, Joel's slider was down, so Joel was talking, but we couldn't hear Joel, and I fixed that. It was and a I think, one-way yeah, conversation. It, it really was. <laughs> I fixed it during the break. Randy's unmuted Joel, I think, and we're going to try a take two or three or four. And you haven't I lost stumbled ca- yet. Yeah. You haven't I, stumbled yet. Would you just stop, Murdoch, and let me get on Don't with the show before you. I actually do screw it up? Joel, save us. <laughs> My last name is five syllables. How about I say it, <laughs> and then we go on. I'll say it that way. I'm Joel Sebastianelli. Great to be here, Joel. <laughs> For those who, who aren't longtime listeners, Joel w- was a part of this show for many years. And is many now long in, time. <laughs> now in Florida, working for WJHG Sports. Very good, Jacob. And uh, Hey, I got that part that's right. That's right. You got that's that part right. So uh, glad to have him back, and I guess this is an introduction to the open wheel side of things. Indeed it is is gentlemen and joel uh cisco kind of stole your thunder a little bit by giving james hinchcliffe a checkered flag before we got you on here but he seemed to think you were going to pretty well agree because doggone after the month of may it was good to see hinch doing something really great for a change Uh, absolutely just emotionally that's the kind of breakthrough win that he needs his sixth win in indycar the, the whole race was really good. It looked like Joseph Newgarden was going to run away with it for the first. It looked like Joseph was going to lap the field, dude. What race <laughs> were you amazing. watching? Well, look at it this way, though. We had 378 passes in this race one year ago, which is a lot. That's more than one pass on track per lap. This year, we had 955. So as good as Joseph Newgarden was in this race, there was great racing going on behind him. And sure enough, we saw it at Phoenix too. The tire wear just catches up to these guys, Penske in particular. And he just got caught up in a little bit of traffic. The tires started to go off on him, and that gave Hinch the break that he needed huge for him, like you said, after Indianapolis to get in the win column. It is worth noting, I have heard some people say, oh, what could have been had he run in the Indy 500? Well, if we're just talking point standings, he would have needed to finish 18th or better just to tie for sixth and to move up into fifth, he's 78 points behind Will Power. So he would have needed to finish third. Don't know if we're really talking about a championship season either way, but 
this has to get Hinch in the zone and just feeling as good as he has all year. Maybe get that monkey off his back, if you will. I would agree with that, Cisco. This, to me, felt like a driver who uh, I actually used it as the headline for the race report that uh, went out courtesy of Bruce Martin over the weekend. This felt like a season reboot. It was one of those where you just press the power button, restart, let's try this again, shall we? And it's not to say SMP hasn't had speed. They just had it in the other car with the guy who supposedly isn't good on ovals. And, and is a rookie. It's his rookie season. Yeah. But, I mean, has been anything. But I think for me, the probably my favorite moment of that entire race is Joseph Newgarden going over the radio and, why? Where did Hinchcliffe come from? Why is he leading? Was probably my <laughs> single favorite moment of the race because he 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 seemed like so blow, taken aback from the fact that he had dominated that race, and then suddenly James oh. Hinchcliffe drove by him like he was standing still. It wasn't even close. No, it was not even close. And well, here's what it comes down to: forty-four laps to go, Tom. I'll use my favorite phrase for the third time tonight. Poof. There he was. Poof. Poof. A lot of people poofing tonight. Uh, and it's a dinner conversation before the show. We can't explain it. Don't ask. Um, I don't know. I, I just This whole race was sort of weird for me because, first of all, I was listening to the broadcast as I was driving home from Jennerstown. So I only actually saw, I got home just about in time actually to see Hinchcliffe take the lead. So most of it I was listening to. And what was strange for me, Joel, is, you know, you're driving along and you're, and you're listening to the broadcast and they're talking about how dominant Newgarden is. And they came up on Zach Veach, who at the time was, I believe, in seventh. And just off... Uh, they, being on fire, by the they way. They made the was that I think that was before the fire. Um, it Which, was by the way, yes, that happened again. In case you're yes, having deja vu, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm getting to that. But yeah, but the, the strange, the strange piece of this for me, Joel, was I'm driving along and hearing them say Zach Veach has got to be wondering what's going on. He just drove from wherever he started, I forgot, to seventh. And he's being lapped by the leaders. Like, wait, but that's what happens, right, Joel, yeah. when you have no caution flags for about six and a half hours. Yeah, we only had two cautions in the race, yeah. but the last one coming with only seven laps to go. So that is going to happen. It's going to happen even with plenty of cautions when you're running at that speed on a small track like that. It's just the way uh -huh. things are. And I don't think it means... It wasn't a good race. I was thoroughly entertained all the way through. I just wish that we had gotten a better ending than finishing under yellow. Now, yeah, me too, because, again, you know how I feel about races under the yellow. Um, but, but Joel, just to follow up on Cisco's comment about Zach Veach and the car catching fire again, if, if I'm Zach Veach and, and I'm Andretti Autosport, I think I'm, I'm looking into that guy's background to see if there were any arsonist history of this because this guy just seems to like setting that car on fire twice in india now here this is the third time three times in a year is not a mistake no. it's a pattern no and and my question <laughs> to that is how the heck do we fix that <laughs> like what <laughs> you you get rid of him well, i think that's ouch well, he hasn't stayed on fire which is worth noting. He got That's back a out valid there. point. He kept running the Indy 500, kept running this race. This was shaping up to be maybe his best week of the year with where he qualified, yeah. the pace he yep. showed in practice. 
it's too bad that it never really ended up working out, out for me. Ended up finishing 20th. This was, though, uh, against what I thought. Uh, I thought going in this race would be very similar to Phoenix. You'd see the Penske Brigade up at the front. They dominate all the way through. And it wound up not being that way when no. you look at the finishing order. Joseph Newgarden, because of the late pit stop, which is a fiasco mm. in itself, yeah. dropped from second to fourth. You had Spencer Piggott move up to second. Takuma Sato, who really needed a big finish, up in sure third. Yep. This is actually the first time since Detroit in 2015. The second race there in 2015, we have not seen a Ganassi, Penske, or Andretti on the podium. So that, that in itself is absolutely remarkable. And it goes to show you the parity that this series has, too. Oh, yes. Spencer Piggott. That, that was the moment where I was like, oh. Yeah. Wow. He just kept moving up, moving up, moving up. He did a great job. And I also think... You, you, we need to give some props to Zach Clayman to Mello, too. Oh, gosh, yes. Because he had another outstanding race. I mean, that kid just keeps on getting it done. Joel, how impressive has he been in what's undoubtedly a, a very, very difficult situation to come out and perform the way he has? I mean, to me, this is a kid who is about clamoring for a shot to be able to do this on a week-to-week -week basis. Yeah, he's been consistent enough. His best finish of the year is 12th at the Indy Grand Prix. So it's not as though we've seen him running up at the front every race, but I think he deserves a lot more respect than he's getting. I imagine it can't be easy to not run the full season. I mean, I think of just the sort of fear of missing out that I get when I'm not at a racetrack certain weeks. And amplify that. When you want to run for a championship, you want to do this for your career. You want to win races. You want to win a championship. But he has handled himself with tons of class and indie yep. lights. He's been doing it every time there's been a microphone or a camera in front of his face in IndyCar this season. And we saw it at Indianapolis where when Pietro Fittipaldi had his crash at Spa, it felt like no fans wanted to give Clayman DeMello a shot. No one thought that even coming off a great Grand Prix finish that he could handle yeah. it. It, he wasn't the hire when it was announced in the offseason that people seemed all that excited about. And to me, that's just that you're not paying attention. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. Juan Pablo Montoya would be great in the 19, but that's not going to happen. Right. Zach Clayman DeMello is really good young talent, and he has acquitted himself nicely. I agree with that 120%. Yep. Now, going forward here, Joel, we are past the halfway point in the season now, and Scott Dixon is still the points leader. At what point does the rest of the field need to be concerned that he's not going to give it back? Yesterday and uh, before that. Anytime Scott Dixon has the points lead. Uh, are there is there anybody in IndyCar you would rather be behind less in point than Scott? I mean, we've seen Will Power through different circumstances, give some of these away. There's an aura of invincibility, even with the parity this series has behind Scott Dixon. I think if you're Joseph Newgard, you have to look at the eight points you gave away, gambling on the fact that, uh, well, really not just gambling, going off the information from race control in your ear, hey, we're going to go back to green, we are going to get this thing running. And, you know, who knows, maybe that eight points will haunt him when this season is over. But, it wasn't like Scott Dixon was all that great yesterday. He finished in 12th. Uh, in fact, he's only had, I believe, four races on the podium 
if that's right, I know both of the races in Indy, one Detroit, one Texas. And oh, oh, so there would have been one more because he was on the podium at Road Atlanta, too. So that yeah. makes it five races he's been on the podium. He's been really good. But even though I said he has this aura of invincibility, that team has not been invincible. And he has had to charge from the back yeah. more than once yep. to get to where he's been. So I think it's wide open. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. And we can uh, discuss who else may be in the fight a little bit later. On the other side of a break here, we're going to, however, discuss a great fight in what the last few years on this program has been the brunt of our mockery because all of a sudden, F1 doesn't suck, and it's great. And Joel's going to talk about why it's great right after this. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and we're back with more in a moment on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. I'm 
Modified Driver Matt Hirschman. You're listening to Motorsports Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Madness, live on Spreaker and PMN. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Steve Oven, Cisco Scaramuza, joined by our good friend and open-wheel expert from WJHG Sports in Florida, Joel Sebastianelli. And Joel, all right, here's the deal. You know how hypercritical that the rest of us have been about Formula One racing over the past couple years on this show. You've tried to talk us into it for a long time, that we need to give it more credit, that it's not as bad as we all say it is. Well, you and I are on the same page for uh, the first time in a while because I have been more entertained by Formula One racing this season than in about half the IndyCar races I've watched, which for me is saying a lot, and especially Sunday because... Holy crap, Silverstone put on an incredible race. Four cars under a blanket with six laps to go? Are you kidding me? Well, you know, it doesn't matter how competitive the battle from third on down to 20th is. If there's no battle at the top for top team. And for the last few years, Mercedes has largely gone unchallenged. That's not to say that Ferrari has snuck in there and won a few races and made things interesting. But we knew how last season was going to go, didn't we? We knew at some point Ferrari was going to give it away with a mix of strategy mistakes, bad luck, and incidents on track. It's not the case this year. Ferrari is as calm as I've seen them in the last several years And for the first time, Mercedes, as a championship contender, has a real fight on their hands and may not be the best team. I still think, depending on the tire choice, depending on the track, they are the team to beat. I think they will be again when we go to Germany. And I think that Mercedes, especially with the softer compounds, you'd have to think that... um, well, really, on any of the tire compounds, they have the pace to be there right with Ferrari. But it's an even fight now. And you can see Mercedes cracking under pressure a little bit. They've made strategy errors up on the pit box. Things we're not used to seeing from them that we've seen in the Scuderia Ferrari garage the last couple of years. So I think it's interesting to see how that's unfolded. And Sunday, it all culminated in a four-way battle for the lead with the two Mercedes and the two Ferraris nose to tail, one, two, three, four. So it's been a spectacular season. Some people are saying that this is the best race of the season. Uh, it wasn't earlier. I mean, China was the best race of the season. And then the next week, Azerbaijan was the best of the season. And then uh, Austria comes along last week, and that's the best of the season. So uh, they can't all be great races, but we've had as many great races this season as I think we have in the last Three years combined in Formula One, so it's been a sight to see. Tom. Sir. If you're not entertained, go find something else to do because, I'm sorry, you're just not breathing. Well, (laughs) if I quite want to go that far, but certainly I agree. You know, when, when I come on this show who has been the biggest critic of F1 for many, many years. Uh-huh. When I come on this show and talk about how F1's putting on better shows than NASCAR, for yeah. the most part, I think, you know, you get the picture that the racing's pretty good. I mean, look, there's, there's six or seven or maybe even eight drivers that have a chance to win a race on 
any given weekend. And I know that Mercedes, for the most part, is still the top of the, the line. But Ferrari's close. Red Bull's definitely in the mix. You know, and it's good to see that we can have races where you get a McLaren or you get that occasional Pierre Gasly that, that sneaks up there and has a top five run. I mean, F1 is starting to become a competitive series on the track, despite the best efforts of the manufacturers to make it about them. The drivers are starting to put on a pretty darn good show. Yes, yes, they are. And no better part of that show than the guy who won the race with an incredible dive at the end of the backstretch, yeah. Joel. Sebastian Vettel with fresh tires and fresh guts over a fading Valtteri Botas, who was trying to become, I can't believe I'm saying this, the fifth different winner of the season. When's the last time we said that? I mean... It was just remarkable from start to finish. Vettel really controlled the race until the two late safety cars, but even still, it just felt like it was only a matter of time because we knew his tires were better. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but don't forget, I mean, the only reason we had that battle in the first place is that Lewis and Kimi Raikkonen had a contact on the first lap. Oh, yeah, there so was Lewis, that. Which set the stage for all this to happen. It completely changed the way the race unfolded, not just for Mercedes, but for Ferrari and their tire strategy and the last that they came in. Uh, this ha race had everything that you'd want to see in a Formula One race. And I do think Valtteri Bottas inevitably is going to win. He's already finished second this year yeah. four times. Bahrain, China, Spain, he was right up there. Canada, another second place finish. Uh, very well could have won the Austrian Grand Prix if not for mechanical troubles and stopping on the side of the road. So uh, he's going to be in there. And I think when you look at the standings, too, clearly Hamilton and Vettel, one, two, are in a class of their own. But if we're going to play the what-if game, let's say Valtteri Botas does win that Austrian Grand Prix and jumps up another 25 points. He's in the mix for the title. Max Verstappen very well could be, if not for some of the mistakes that he's made. So really, even though it's only a two-driver, two-team battle at the top, you can't count out Red Bull on any of these tracks either. I've been so impressed with the progress yep. they've made this year, even though it hasn't always panned out when you look at the results after the race. It's a start. Hey, it's a big start. Well, and I mean, I think about some races that I know of where Max Verstappen certainly seemed to have the speed to contend for the win, and he just took himself out. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. you know, Max has been a little over-aggressive at times, especially early on in the races, and I think that uh, definitely has had some effect on Red Bull's overall performance. But, I mean, you know, they definitely are in the – in the hunt right now, I think, with the other two teams, for sure. You think? Yeah, for sure. That I call that a mass understatement. And, in fact, I can't help but wonder what if, if some of the mechanical failures and other things that uh, Red Bull had happen, if they might not be even closer, Joel, than what they are at this point. Well, with the regulations changing again for next year, I kind of wish we could freeze everything because mm -hmm. this season has been so good. We don't really know how that's going to shake out 
Uh, well, we know visually how it's going to look, and we know some of the changes they are going to implement, but we're not going to know until testing and really the first couple of races of the year next year whether they'll still be in the hump. But they seem to have gained back a lot of that progress that they had lost about three, four years ago. So that's good to see. And there's no reason when you look at the tracks that are coming up, Germany could very well be a great race. I think that has Silverstone written all over it in terms of the results. Hungary is sort of like Monaco without walls, which means <laughs> Red Bull always has a great advantage there because it's not just down to sheer power. And the field can get bunched up there. And we, we've seen some great battles all throughout the grid when we've been there. Belgium's always interesting. So if you're not into F1, this is the time to do it. It is interesting, though, isn't it? How one result can change a narrative for everybody. It can change something for a driver, right? Like R Roman Grosjean, even though he had an incident that wasn't really his fault mm -hmm. this week, seemed to have all the confidence in the world after placing Haas fourth at Austria. But, you know, a couple of incidents or really just one incident at the beginning of the year and all of a sudden he starts making all these mistakes, maybe change the way he was thinking about things. And it happens even when you look at the sport as a whole. After Monaco, despite the fact that two of the best F1 races we had ever seen, it already happened this season, we're talking about, oh, well, how do we fix Formula One? What's wrong? with Formula One. Shocker, Monaco wasn't exciting. How do we fix the sport? Can we ditch that narrative now? Yes. And can we ditch the idea that, oh, F1 is actually exciting. It has been all year long. I think we need to catch up and do a better job of looking at things as a whole, because this season has been spectacular. And I think especially with Liberty Media in control, this is the way it's going to end. Yes. All right. I'm not going to get into another topic because we need a few extra minutes to deal with that. I'm going to tell Randy to go ahead and send us to a break. And on the other side of this, Joel, hang tight with us for a couple more minutes because, shocker, controversy. We'll get into that right after you hear this on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Whew. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today. 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. 
But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Welcome back, live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network, and we are continuing to get a little crazy. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Steve Ovens, Cisco Scaramuza, and our open-wheel friend and colleague, Joel Sebastianelli from WJHG Sports. And, Joel, we talked good things about IndyCar. We talked good things about Formula One. Unfortunately, now we get to a uh, little bit that I call both bad and ugly. F2, at least the driver who for a while was called the best chance for an American to get back to Formula One, even better, it would have been with an American team. And yet over the weekend, Connecticut's Santino Ferrucci, as far as I'm concerned, did a pretty darn good job of torpedoing his entire career in flames real quick oh at the risk of understating my abilities if i had tried to commit career suicide over the weekend i'm not sure i could have done it as effectively and as absurdly as santino ferrucci did it i can't recall any story like this and clearly Trident, his team can't either. They've said in 12 years at various levels of motorsport, they have never seen anything that touches the absurdity and the lack of class that happened here. I mean, first of all, you just have the stuff that happened on track, uh, forcing his teammate, Argent Maney, off the track in turn four. Then after the race is over, intentionally running into the back of him, and damaging both of their cars on the cool-down lap. Of course, he got a suspension for that, was fined, as he should be. This is not NASCAR. That's another topic in itself, but that stuff is just simply not tolerated. It's not sportsmanlike. It has no place in open-wheel racing. But then you add the other stuff, the fact that he's fined for texting and driving an S2 car. How obnoxious is that? Glove off, literally texting inside the cockpit while you were driving through pits and through and through the paddock. It's mind-boggling. Then you add on the behavior of Santino and his father, which has not been explicitly stated, other than the fact that the two of them were behaving in an uncivilized manner, I believe. Um, I want to say that's the word they used. If not, that was the gist of it, that they had been given Mamie, Mamie's family and the team a difficult time. Um, 
And not just that weekend. Their statement about it was clear that this is something that's been happening over the course of multiple weekends. And just to cap it all off with a level of weirdness, because the WTF factor wasn't high enough with everything that's happening, you throw in the fact that they wanted to, they actually had petitioned to S2, to the sanctioning body, to run a Make America Great Again Donald Trump image on the side of the car, which... uh, that's never happened. There's no precedent for running political stuff in Formula One or Formula Two, any of their feeder series. Again, it, it's just all weird. All of it is so weird to me. I, I've never seen anything like this while I've been around the sport. And clearly, people who've been around for a lot longer than I have in America and overseas haven't seen anything like it either. Well, Joel, here's what's even more it gets weirder still because he issued an apology. A statement of apology today on Twitter that says this. I want to send my sincerest apologies for my action on Sunday at the FIA F2 race at Silverstone. I used extremely poor judgment at the conclusion of the race. Getting far too close to my teammate, Ergen, and swerved away only to graze his tire, very fortunately causing no damage or issue to his car. There was no intent, premeditation, or any type of retaliation by my actions, only anger and frustration as this has been such a horrific year. I have no excuse other than the fact that I am a 20-year-old Italian-American with a deep passion for motorsport, which is a very emotional sport. While there has been so much provocation leading to my mental lapse, it is still not an excuse and I will make sure that this does not happen again. I realize I've embarrassed many people and I apologize to my sponsors, Trident, my fellow drivers, Haas F1, FIA, FIAF2, my fans, friends and family, and I think he threw in a partridge in a pear tree. I also want to apologize to the FIA stewards for not being able to attend the hearing. Hang on, it gets better. I was randomly selected for a drug test, as were others, and this delayed my return to the paddock by over an hour. At that point, I very quickly packed and had to leave for the airport to catch an early afternoon flight back to the U.S. to intend to attend an extremely urgent, time-sensitive family medical issue. I was notified of the stewards' meeting as I was leaving and did not, and did send an email to my team manager to forward to the stewards, explaining that I had no options but to leave. None of this is my fault. It's just, it's been such a horrific year. Boy. It's, it's such an awful statement. Boy. I, I want to know who wrote that. Did he write it? You would think that there would be somebody who it was on his, to write something better than I, that, I think right? he wrote it because it was on his Twitter, and I can't believe it anybody. It sure seems that way. Can't believe anybody who would know how to write such a thing would have written that. That that was just and no bad. mention of Arjun, by the way. N- never mentioned his name. Yeah, never he did. mentioned an apology he, to he, him. He did. No, yeah, he, ne- he, he did when he when he actually said that he got too close. Blah 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 to his teammate Arjun. That was the only time his name comes up. But but he caused no, no but damage. He ne- but he though. never apologizes specifically. To no, that. no, he when did leave him he out. He apologizes yeah. to his fellow drivers and yeah. he got far too close. As though everything else that had happened was okay. There was nothing resembling an apology to Arjun in that statement. Nothing about texting and driving either. Ricky Ricky Stenhouse got a little too close to Kyle Busch on Saturday night. Just a little too close. Yeah. 
Wow. I mean, poor, I, I, you know, the thing is, is I, I spoke with some people from, because Santino Ferrucci grew up in two-cycle karting, and I spoke to some people from that, that type of, uh, that who are still involved with that, who, you know, were at the time that he was. And this, come to find out, this is really not all that unusual, I guess, which is really unfortunate. I just hate that it's gotten this far before he, you know, may have to learn his lesson the hard way because I just don't see anyone else touching him now after this. I thought my friend Matt Barnaby made a great point today. Oh, we had been having a discussion about this on Facebook, and he said his best hope at this point would be to just cross your fingers that, you know, IMSA teams and IndyCar teams don't know how to use the Internet. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, hope, and that was before the statement. <laughs> and hope that somehow everybody just forgets about this, and if you didn't see it live, it didn't happen, and there's no proof. My response. My response to that, shocking. by the way, Joel, was uh, the fact that asking IndyCar and IMSA or racing teams in general not to read the Internet is like asking a dog not to bark. Yeah, it is, especially in this age where the sponsors are so conscious about their image and you have people with less than flattering social media mm -hmm. histories in all sports and all different jobs. Yeah, he's going to have to for sure earn his second chance if he's yeah. going to get one, and it's going to be a yeah. while, I'm afraid. All right, lightning round. We're transitioning into that, and I'm going to hold Joel because the first part of the lightning round has to do with uh, his favorite topic, and that's open wheel. And it's actually something that Joel put in my head earlier uh, today scary. or late yesterday. Oh, it gets scarier. <laughs> it gets scarier because, ladies and gentlemen, if you've listened to this show going back to the beginning, you're all about to think that Joel was abducted by aliens and replaced by a clone. First lightning round question, straight from the mouth of Joel Sebastianelli. Is it time for IndyCar in the wake of Sunday's debacle finish at Iowa to adopt the green-white checker rule. Joel, I'll even let you start since you're the reason that this is even a topic of conversation. All right, I understand the arguments against it, and it is a slippery slope. Once you have that rule, you have the risk of, you know, imaginary debris cautions, ways to manufacture the finish, uh, the potential for million-dollar graveyards at the end of races of cars just getting torn up in a last-ditch effort. But isn't finishing under caution the most anticlimactic thing? It's not an endurance race. This isn't the Indianapolis 500 where the 500 actually means something. It's not the 24 hours of Le Mans where the 24 means something. Just a few years ago, it was the Iowa Corn 250. Now it's the 300. That's not even miles, by the way. If we're talking miles, this is the Iowa Corn 262.5. If it was the 264.3, does it really make a difference? We all get a good finish. Nothing's manufactured about it. If you've dropped 100 bucks and you're a fan, you deserve to see a green right. You deserve to see a green flag finish to a race at all costs. Please hold while I offer Tom Baker's response to this lightning round question. Can, can, can I just hit a big round of applause <laughs> button and, and and just let that represent my answer? Hell yes, we should have a good look. I, I don't know that I want to do the unlimited thing because I mean, uh -huh. you know, this is open wheel. We don't have all. we don't have but, enough cars in open wheel to do the unlimited. Joel thing. is right. 
I've said this for years, and it applies to any kind of racing. I don't care what it is. When you end a race under yellow, the race is not over. It's just abandoned. It's never over. You don't throw, you throw a checkered flag, but you're under caution. You did not race to the finish. So while I'm happy that, obviously, with, with Hinchcliffe's win, it was great to see him back in victory lane, it sucks ending a race under a yellow, and you should avoid it at all costs. I would have thought they would have at least tried one. And I think, honestly, you could do something like we're going to make two attempts. You know, something like that. In IndyCar, I don't think you could do the ARCA thing. Yeah, in, no. In NASCAR, it should be universal. But IndyCar, and I think, I think you, you could do this, too. This would be my suggestion if they don't want to do green-white checker because in their minds it's like a NASCAR patented thing. It's stock cars, whatever. Why not, if there was a caution with 10 laps to go or less, immediately red flag Correct. the race. Stop on the front stretch. The second you get back, we'll clean everything up. Two laps, pits are closed, you warm up the tires, and then you go. At least that way, you're presenting an opportunity for the race to finish that way. And by the way, yep. uh, for all the IndyCar fans and drivers who get insulted when guys like Gunther Steiner say there's just not enough talent for IndyCar drivers to go race in Formula One, isn't it a little insulting to then turn around and say, if we have green-white checkered finishes, everyone's going to wreck each other. Yeah, Yay. really. Exactly. All right, any objections? Chris, Cisco, Steve, any objections to any points? I'll just I'll bring up one small point. Okay. I mean, keep in mind that this rule is going to be kind of useless for half the season because generally it's not going to affect road courses for the most part. Good point. So, I mean, there's that. Also, you're dealing with the fact that these are open-wheel cars. They don't have fenders on them, which means... Any sort of body contact generally doesn't end up too well, and that's cr things can get crazy under that. So just for food for thought, but I am of the mind of limit it to I like the red flag rule that Joel yep. uh, that Joel puts forward because it's not a green white checkered. You're still going the distance, and I think that would be easier to digest for IndyCar. Either that or limit it to maybe one. I Even I'm worried about doing more than two. Yeah. I'd say one, you get one shot at it, and if you wreck it again, just, all right, we're done. All right, next bullet point, and I'm going to Steve on this one because, uh, oh, Chris, you didn't raise your hand, Chris. You didn't act well, like you had a point. If you pay attention to the chat, <laughs> He's been, yeah, um, exactly. I have a, a question that might be a dumb one because I don't know if they do this or not. Okay. Uh, but it actually stemmed from Millbridge this past week when you mentioned that Carson Elledge is getting ready to go off to college. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I don't know if they do this, so it might be a stupid question, but do we believe that colleges around the country should give the same, <coughs> same I guess, representation that they do for football in terms of like breaks for classes, you know, when they have to go on away games, they get breaks for their assignments, they get breaks yeah. for their classes. Do we believe that should be the same precedent for motorsports? If say a motorsports driver is attending your college, should they get the same treatment as the other athletes? I already know some that do. I.e., William Byron would be a, a but he's a taking great online. Case he's taking on, online stuff. He's doing online. And I think stuff. that's the thing All is right. that. All right, so if options. you're referring to – yeah, I was going to say racers do have more options, but if you're referring to somebody who's trying to do it in a classroom, i.e. Kaz Grala, yes, yes, and yes. That's my two cents. I don't think 
I don't know that it's as much an issue with racers. They football is is the whole. They're all in college. Yeah. They're all at the college. I don't think racers have that much of an issue with their scheduling because I think most of the professors on their own basically yeah. give them that latitude and and they just have to make up the work or whatever. So I'm not Something really sure like that's that. a big deal. All right. My next bullet point, and I'm though. going to Steve on this one because uh, Tom said it deserves a mention. Kerry Madsen finally getting one at Cedar Lake over the weekend with the Outlaws. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they it admittedly have not run as well as they would have liked to this year. Nope. Uh, nice to see them get that finish. And also, while we're talking about the Outlaws quick, yes. ja or Jacob, how about Jacob Allen? who led laps in that race and finished sixth. When is he going to get a win? Soon. Soon. This year. This year. I was going to say, define soon. This year, I, you say? I'm, I'm confident it's going to happen this year the way he the way he ran the other night. Now, he's not a, he doesn't consistently do that, Jacob. Yeah. But on one night, he can do it. Right after Stuart Friesen wins that truck race that we're still waiting on. Oh, you, oh, yeah, you, oh! You mean that's the what's gonna happen. You, you mean the truck race that's coming a week from Wednesday? Yeah, maybe, maybe, that's, probably. That's not gonna happen. Ouch! Wow! See, it's on it right now. It's not gonna happen. It's dead. It's I too easy of an answer. I'm throwing ago, this I'm to break. I'm throwing this to break because I'm offended that Steve thinks that Stuart Friesen's not going to win at Eldora. Joel, we're gonna let you go so we can finish off this show. Always a pleasure. Why don't we do it more often? We need to do it more often. Absolutely, it's always fun with you guys. All right, final break, Randy. Kick us out of here. We'll be back to close it right after this. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Motorsports sales professionals. Performance Motorsports is looking to build a team of experienced media sales professionals to represent our programming to the industry's top companies, magazines, and racing series. If you have motorsports sales or marketing experience, know how to work with agencies, understand social media, and are incredibly creative when it comes to working with clients and promotions, then we want to hear from you. Top performers are richly rewarded. Your imagination is the only limit here. Call 717-749-0444. That's 717-749-0444. Or email us at scorpionradiogroup at gmail.com. You want to ask for Sue. You are a waste. A loser. Everyone hates you. Why don't you just stay in your car and keep driving? I'm serious. Drive until you run out of gas and get out of your car and walk until you find someone who doesn't think you're dumber than bricks. Could take a while, but at least all that walking might burn a couple of calories. You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. 
Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your streetcar on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. All right, because I know we're really short on time, I'm going to close this show and not let Tom smile and be happy because of this. Travis Pastrana is not human. He is superhuman. He is the man. He did three things that Evil Knievel could not. Hey, sure did. That was impressive to watch. I mean, I think advances in bike technology and such have helped that. That Indian that, scout is badass. Nonetheless, that was still fun. We need more of that back. We do frankly. need more of that, Chris. He he did it, and he all three jumps were, I mean, near perfect. Yeah, I it mean, looked easy. It, he, I, 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 that's what I, uh, me and a buddy were talking about when you were watching it last night. As soon as he made that fountain jump and landed it, I was like, what was the hype here's for? The he made that thing. look super easy. Yeah. He, here's the funny thing. He is like an American badass, but he looks like he's a nerd that got that probably got beat up for his lunch money in high school. Something like that. Like he's like the that. gentlest guy. And, and I mean, Evil Knievel was a badass all the way through. Travis plays a good badass, but his personality's not there. Something like that. He's just fun. Yes. We're going to get out of here because we, were, we are out of time, and that is why this show goes way too fast. Thanks to Bob Steele, Sue Mason, all the folks at PMN for making this show possible for Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Cisco Scaramuza, Steve Ovens, Joel Sebastianelli, I'm Jacob Seelman reminding you to keep it off the wall, folks. And if you're headed to a racetrack, we might just see you there till we meet again. You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com a member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.